Welcome to Boundless Pursuit, a weekly podcast providing motivation, entertainment, and education to anglers and outdoorsmen. I hope that the stories you'll find here will encourage you to chase your passion more fervently, to open your mind to new opportunities and perspectives. Your engagement and feedback is critical to the growth of this show, and I would love to hear your suggestions on topics or potential guests. You can reach me at boundlesspursuitfishing at gmail.com or at my website, www.boundless-pursuit.com. That's where you'll find all related articles, media, and merchandise. Please remember, the show will gain traction from your support. Be sure to like, comment, and share this podcast to your friends and connections. I'm your host, David Graham. Now let's get on to today's episode. I'm really excited about today's guest because I think that he embodies the modern angler, and he certainly embodies the direction that I want to go with this podcast, a more open-minded fisherman that appreciates variety. And I'm so excited with these young up-and-coming anglers because it seems like now, more so than ever before, you're seeing more and more guys getting out and chasing all kinds of different fish, even the ones that were historically maybe called trash fish. On Instagram, Justin Hinkledye goes by Fishing Addiction. And the fish that this guy catches will blow your mind, and they really demonstrate the meaning behind the name. This is a young dude that really, really makes his rounds, does not seem like he's taking his foot off the accelerator, and he's traveling all over the place catching some mind-blowing fish. And one quick look at the guy's Instagram. I mean, he boasts a really impressive variety of fish in freshwater and saltwater. But beyond just the broad variety is the impressive size of the fish. Trophy fish after trophy fish, one after the other. Freshwater, saltwater, he's on ice, he's down in the Keys, just getting around with his small group of buddies, filming and photographing what they love to do. And while I love this kind of angler and this kind of mindset, sometimes these are the hardest kind of guests to have a good, like, in-depth conversation with because there's just too much to cover. The guy's chasing pike, musky buffalo, sturgeon, paddlefish. He was just recently in Florida catching sharks, goliath grouper, barracuda. It's like there's no rhyme or reason behind what he's doing other than he wants to catch big monster fish. And I freaking love it. It is clearly a motivated young dude who, if he's doing what he's doing now, I can't imagine where he's going to be in five years, 10 years. The dude is putting up some awesome fish, and he's like the perfect embodiment of what like the well-rounded and just impossible to satisfy young angler looks like. And addiction is really just an understatement for Justin. This dude is all about it. And I've been following Justin for a few years now, and it was really cool to just get to pick the mind of another like-minded, driven young angler with a similar passion for the pursuit of big fish. This is Justin Hinkledye of the Fishing Addiction Instagram page and the newly developed YouTube page. All right. I'm sure you heard that. Yep. Recordings in progress. So, Justin, Fishing Addiction, and we finally get to talk to each other. Been following your stuff for a while now, and dude, you're like the consummate, like young, like new age freshwater, and well, now fresh and saltwater angler. But man, you've been making your rounds for. Ever since I started following you, like just getting after it. And so 
you multi-species guys are always hard for me to do these recordings with because it's like I never know where to start and I got to squeeze so much like information into you know the hour and a half goes by like that but um but man I I, I see it maybe a little bit of a suntan going on you just got back from oh, yeah. Florida right yeah got fried and then I went to a tan so yeah <laughs> well I'm I mean I, though, so I I guess if there's out. um I guess if there's a good starting point you know it's easy to start with you know where when you first picked up a fishing rod and your diapers but I'd actually rather start with with that, I mean, if you if you're able to give some spoilers, you know, like I said, this this recording probably isn't going to drop till maybe after the video series does. But um, I've seen your Florida uh, expeditions in the past. I imagine this was kind of another chapter to that whole story. But but if you can, just kind of tell me how that whole story went because that's that's, I mean, you're you probably still got sand between your ass crack after <laughs> that one. I mean, <laughs> you you just yeah, got back one. home. Just landed two days ago. We spent uh, 11 fishing days down there. Um, the whole uh, idea of these trips that we take is to go down there as Midwest boys and try to do it all on our own. So I guess season one, we did take one charter, but I always try to push for us to try and learn how to do these things by ourselves through a lot of research and stuff like that. So uh, yeah, we went down there and we target just pretty much as big of things as we can possibly find. So mainly Goliath groupers, mm -hmm. uh, bull sharks. We did hook a hammerhead this time around, but oh. it didn't work out well for us. <laughs> um, barracudas mainly for bait, jacks and stuff like that. Um, but my big thing, I love targeting the Goliaths down there, man. They're, man, they're warriors. They pull hard. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I share that sentiment. So I've only been in Florida now for less than five years, but like, I think a lot of people when like the bulk of their experience is fresh water. Like you look at a Goliath and it's like, it just, I don't know. It has the body like mechanics of just like a blown up version of a, like a bass. It sort of like, it looks like a giant bass. Like so a I feel like, yeah. I feel like that's where some of the allure comes from, but I don't know. They have like that, that monster essence about them. They, they live under the bridge. They live in the caves. They yep. just look like these like gargoyle, troll bass from hell but um that's Something awesome from me, i don't know it, it i think it was black to beige he sparked it in me and ever since that i just yeah. obsessed with the goliath man i don't know what it is they're yeah. just incredible <laughs> incredible fish yeah that's a cool one and then being able to do it from shore is it's always like i don't know it's like i don't know that adds like a more interesting layer to it because uh, you kind of alluded to it and what i respect about what you and and like your crew i know you kind of run in a small a good core group. Like you look like you got a pretty solid team going right now, but um, I, I love that y'all are doing like the DIY style things where it's like, you're doing your research, you're putting in your time, you're learning about like you're laying out a game plan and then you're just going in. And from what I'm, from what I've seen, it looks like you're hitting nothing, but like, I mean, home runs. Uh, it's like, dude, every oh. time this kid shows up here, he's just killing it. <laughs> we, we had some rough days. Don't get me wrong. Uh, yeah. <laughs> not everything's going to work out, obviously, especially when, you're trying to do it on your own. Uh, sometimes there's equipment malfunctions or just inexperience, I guess you could say, and losing some of those big fish. We did lose a couple. I hooked the second night. I hooked the biggest bull shark I've ever seen. Um, I should be putting that clip up soon. Yeah, We couldn't stop it. He was going with the current, and it was just a lost cause, really. But we tried our best. But, yeah, a lot of the times it's unfortunately losing fish. Right. So are y'all flying into town or are these road trips? 
Like, are you renting cars? Oh, okay. So, so that even makes it a little more difficult. I do similar trips from time to time. And it's like, you know, then especially you have to like really plan like to be like that minimalist sort of approach, unless you can afford to ship all kinds of gear. Right. But I mean, are y'all, were y'all like paddling baits out or like what kind of gear are you running? Spin gear? We use a drone. We use a drone to fly our stuff out. I'm actually in the process of looking for a little bit bigger drone so we can fly a little bit heavier baits out. But we use my buddy's Mavic Air 2, and it works out pretty great for us to get our conventional baits out. Okay, because that's what I was wondering. I mean, I guess it wouldn't be too difficult. There's kayak rentals out the wazoo down here, so I didn't know if y'all were going that route or if if I I was like, well, I wouldn't think he's catching Goliaths on spin gear, but then again, I just had... I just had uh my my new friend uh this dude named Gavin, and he catches he's caught him on spin gear and so it can be done. I don't wouldn't yeah. necessarily recommend it, but uh, no, okay. we got our own conventional uh conventional combos. I I was running a Squall fifty VSW for that trip, and I got the new Pen Ally two rod, the all okay. roller guy. Pretty meaty setup. It does its job. I could get a bigger reel, I suppose, but everything worked out pretty good. Now was this y'all's second trip to florida or have you done more than one or uh, i mean i know you did one at least one previous but is this just like your second time around this is, uh, season three we'll be going okay. on season four so like your progression in like i mean let's say after the first time you came here and you encountered these kind of fish do you feel like your second time and then moreover the third time you're more like more and more prepared each time like how successful were you in season one I'd say season one was more of a shit show than the other two. <laughs> yeah. um, season two, I'd say, was our best for multi-species. We were mm-hmm. able to get two different types of stingrays, uh, three different types of sharks, and goliaths on top of that. This time, though, I think it was the best for uh, big fish all around, like oh, size nice. okay. quantity for sure. And that, that brought along some grinding days because these big fish are smarter, but mm-hmm. I think we definitely did good on that scene. No, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I, I remember watching some of these with the Goliaths. I knew I could I could sense that that was like one of the ones that was really bigger on your list. So yeah, uh, well, yeah, I admired I mean, your uh, catches from short too, man. Those are incredible when I saw those. I know that's man. That's like a scene I really want to get back into. We just uh, at least on the west coast. I mean, man, our our beaches got ruined by the hurricane last September. You know, and and like where I fished, the beaches are all off limits even still. So it's like, you can't, you can't even go out there. Um, so I kind of miss this. I like to do it during the winter time and this is like prime season, pretty much missed it, but yeah. And then doing it solo is kind of, I don't know. It's like, it's, it's sketch when you're like your rig alone costs like $200 and then you paddle it out there and drop it. And it's like, you got to hightail it back to shore because you know, I mean, I guess if a shark picks it up in open water, it's not that big of a deal. They can run with it. But if Goliath picks it up during the paddle in, you got about five seconds before they're back in the crap. Oh, yeah. You, you lose everything. <laughs> right. But uh, that's just aside from the other risks that you run by being alone. But, but yeah, man. Oh, I can only imagine the fight alone, too. I'm always a little scared when I hook up on one. Yeah, nobody there to help you. <laughs> nobody around i had one night on this uh this one state park beach and i was i was hooked into one and and uh this park ranger came up he's like you need some help <laughs> i was like i'm just glad you're not telling me to leave right because <laughs> uh, i don't know if i was supposed to be out there <laughs> oh, gotcha. but, uh, i was like yeah no, here, take, the, take the rod but uh <laughs> well that's awesome so my i mean i know like you know that 
the allure, like the cool thing is like you're out there, like, and your objective is to catch this all on film and sort of capture like the moment. So like, I don't know, like I, I admire videographers and like videography. I'm working on something similar with my buddy, Josh Dolan, but he's more like the visionary artist who's like, you know, his, that's his, that's his scene. Like he's, he's the man behind the like camera and the guy doing all the editing, but like, what is y'all's like creative process? I mean, do you have a specific objective, a specific agenda? Are you trying to paint a picture or is all just trying to like put together a giant highlight reel? Probably just a giant highlight reel, honestly, and maybe inspiring some people to get down there and, and do it themselves. That's really, I would say the main objective, honestly, is to show people that they can, they can go do this. You don't need to book a really expensive charter or anything like that. You can go down there and through research, hard work, you can find these big fish. Right. And y'all came from where? Like, where are you from? Wisconsin, like Geneva. So you're coming from like more than halfway across the country, (laughs) nowhere (laughs) near the ocean. Or like beaches, (laughs) so from like a cold northern state to down in the tropics to chase these. uh, To chase, I mean, it's just awesome. I love that kind of story, and so I don't know, man. I'm I'm like one of y'all's biggest fans, maybe more silently, but I'm I'm, trust me when I say I'm I'm watching and I see what y'all are doing. But um, we appreciate it. Thank you. But I know, um, yeah. So like, so what are some of the different kind of species that y'all managed to catch? Even like, well, I'd say this time and the last time you you'd alluded to catching three different kind of stingrays. I mean, what were, what are, what's some of the variety that people might be looking at as far as like in terms of the sharks, the rays, the different kinds of bony fish, the big well, ones, the around, small ones. This time around, we got uh, two different, t- or we hooked three different types of sharks, landed two different. Uh, we caught lemons and bull sharks were the two main uh, sharks that we landed. And then we did lose that hammerhead. Uh, for stingrays, it's mostly southern rays. And if an eagle ray does come through and, he eats it, which the area does have a lot of those. Yeah. We'll land those, obviously keep them in the water and release them quickly. Um, we hunted black tips, but unfortunately we did that towards the end of the trip and we were flying the drone and found a bunch of, a bunch of black tips, like probably 70 of them. Yeah. And we had to drive to the other side of the inlet, which is about a 30 minute drive. Cause you got to go all the way around town. And by the time we got there, there was a freaking sailboat uh, parade happening. Scared <laughs> all of them off. <laughs> Always perfect timing with them damn yeah. boat parades. So that was rough. And then uh, Goliath groupers and then the different types of baits that we catch. Um, the barracudas, jacks. Uh, we had some pompano. And um, we also hooked needlefish, big needlefish, which are very underrated, I'd say. They fight yeah. like hell. And they're just like gar. Really I, cool fish. I saw the needlefish uh photo that you threw up i mean i agree it's it's weird there's parts of the world where those things get like really big like surprisingly big like so big that i'm like is that the same thing that i see like that's like the little you know <laughs> you see the little like four inches swimming around <laughs> they ch- yeah. like where they like they'll chase where your uh like where your top shot or your leader is like you know knotted to the other line like chasing the knot but uh right. yeah they're super aggressive man you put anything in front of them they're gonna eat it well, I love that too, that that side of y'all's story that like you're sort of like having to work your way up the food chain. Like it's like yep. all like self-sustaining, like challenging yourself at like that lowest level, like, you know, I don't know, on the totem in the journey. Like, so you got a full, I guess the initial bait species with, I don't know, lures, whatever you're doing. And then like you're working, literally you're working your way up the food chain. 
all one uh, big food chain challenge, really. Yeah, it's cool. So it's like you're not. I mean, I guess it's nothing to stop at a bait store, but like at some point when the target is bigger than you, bait stores don't sell that kind of bait. But uh, yeah, the barracudas. Well, what we are- do if it's rough for bait, which I re- recommend for anyone traveling down to Florida, is we will stop at the cleaning stations when charters come in and just ask for their scraps. Yep. It works out perfectly, and they'll always give it to you. Always. Oh yeah. Well, a lot of the land-based guys know that routine, and you'll you'll know like the hours that these guys come in yep. and out. I've done the same thing. I've, I've bummed off of, uh, bummed off of guys at the at the cleaning station as well. Um, but you can walk piers. I mean, there's unwanted species. Like when every time people catch a little stingray, they just want to boot it back off. Right. A shark candy right there. That's Goliath candy. Um, Absolutely. And, and, you know, another trick, like around here, we'll have, you know, the commercial fishermen have like their shops, you know, they have the, uh, uh, what do you want to call it up? Like the fish markets, like fresh fish caught on ice. And they're the same way. They'll throw out, like if they clean customers fish, a lot of times out back, they'll have the stuff that is like near expiration per like FDA regulation or whatever, but still perfectly good for shark bait. Oh yeah. Or like, you know, I've done that too. I'll show up and be like, Hey, do y'all have scraps you're throwing out? A lot of times they're happy. Especially if you get in good with like your local um fish market people. Like and they know you and you establish like a rapport with them a lot of times. A lot of times yeah. like there's some of them here, like when I walk in, they go ahead and start grabbing me some mullet and like they know what I'm <laughs> they know what I'm doing, they know why That's I'm there. They don't even yeah. ask if I want them clean. They're like they know they're like I like don't even don't even worry about cutting that thing up. I'm taking it whole. I'll have to keep that fish market in my head for next time. Yeah, there's a ton of them. You too. find the real like salt of the earth ones too. Like the ones that are literally in like, like shacks. Yeah. Like you want to find the real rustic salty ones where there's like, it smells like tobacco and puke. <laughs> Those are the guys. Like that's the good ones. Oh yeah. <laughs> but, um, of course, sometimes they'll hand you the fish that's got like maggots and flies coming yeah. out of it. And so, well, I don't, yeah, I don't really want to. Yeah, the local fish had frozen bonitas. I'm sure were probably six years old. Those are yeah. disgusting. Yeah, yeah. You see don't that too. Like, I always, I'll, I'll go to that, and then you see these bonitas that like are literally like in permafrost and like yeah. hard as titanium. I'm like, I'm gonna have yeah. to wait four days for this thing to thaw out. Like, I don't have time. I'm going to the water now. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's cool, dude. And man, uh, so where will this drop? Like people like y'all have already made the videos, like the people that are listening right now, they're like, oh, this sounds cool. Like, where can I find that? Like, like, what's a YouTube channel? I mean, where, where could they go to find, I don't know, season one and season two. And now they know season three is looming. It's coming. It is all going to be on my buddy Tommy's channel, which is McGrath Fishing, M-C-G-R-A-T-H Fishing. That's where all the videos will be. McGrath fishing. So I'm gonna have to throw yep. that up on this screen, some creative sort of way. But, um, yeah, I've watched y'all's videos. It's some, it's some entertaining stuff. I don't know, man. It's just like, I feel like, well, at least I hope that a lot of people that listen to this are kind of either cut from the same cloth or have ambitions to do so, because you're right, man. It's like, you, you know, you watch enough, I don't know, more formal type of programs and you get in this idea in your mind that these kind of trips are going to cost you an arm and a leg you know, you're going to have to like charter the services of local experts, but you know, y'all are a testament to the fact that just doing a little bit of research, looking it up, like coming up with a real solid game plan and like 
I don't know, approaching it in a smart way. I mean, y'all y'all banged out all kinds of fish. I saw the lemon shark. I saw on y'all one of y'all's last ones, all the big nurse sharks you were catching. The eagle rays, like that's a big one for me. I'm like, yeah. as I, I see those things, at least when I had a boat, I sold it last year. I mean, I'd always see those damn things like jumping out of the water. Oh, yeah. They're that's, an amazing fish. Yeah, that's still sort of like a bucket list one for me. Like for my daughter's um, ninth birthday last year, we took her to this place in Orlando called Discovery Cove. Very expensive. But you can like swim with these things. And like they had these eagle rays in there. I mean, they were so big. Like yep. you, you can stretch your arms out and, and couldn't get outside the wingtips. And these things are like zipping like right. Like their wing would like graze your face. I was like, like watching them go by. I was like, you know, in my line of thinking, I'm like, man, I bet that sucker could just rip some drag. Like, well, they're graceful creatures. <laughs> when, you, when you hook one, it's like hooking. You might as well hook a jet ski. <laughs> yeah. Do they jump? Do they jump when you hook them? Occasionally, yeah, they will. Oh, it, usually, right in the initial hookup, they'll jump, and after that, it's just straight power. Yeah, yeah. Those those type of rays. I don't remember what like family they're in. Like the ones where it's it's like they don't necessarily suck to the bottom like a southern stingray. No, will do. Like yeah, they're like a, more like a like a cow nose ray style. Where oh. yeah, I think cow nose and manta rays are related to them. I believe. Yeah, don't yeah, I think they're. That, but... <laughs> well, they're similar enough. Like I don't know that yeah. like their propulsion system through the water is different, like than the other, like the bottom dwelling rays where their their wings oh. kind of undulate and like waves. Like the other ones are like literally like eagle ray. They're right. like flying through the water, but like two engines on each side. <laughs> yeah, but I could get caught up talking about y'all's Florida stuff. I may circle back to it because there's so much. And if I missed anything, I wanna I wanna bring it up. But um, you know, I live in Florida, and I, I'm more interested in some of the stuff that you're doing um, outside of Florida. So I don't know, dude. It's like you go to your page, and I'll throw that up there too. What is it like? Um, underscore fishing addiction, double underscore. underscore. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so. Um, but I encourage anybody listening, like you got to go through it. Like if you want to just see a variety of just big, like awesome, unique, especially the freshwater stuff is more like my forte. And I think that's just where you're from. But I mean, you're talking the you got the king salmon and musky pike, the paddlefish, which you've helped me in the past on articles about that. Uh, the grass carp. Oh, my gosh. Which else? Y'all's bowfin <laughs> scene, which I want to talk about in a little bit uh, for that's you know my own. My own personal reasons, but so when I see a guy like you who's just bouncing around and like just keeping the variety alive, and obviously you've you've clearly gotten to a point where you're real well rounded in your approach and what you're you know passionate about. I mean, so somebody like you, like where did like I don't know where did that start? Like I don't know. Give me like the quick rundown on like your origins as an angler. Uh, I really started fishing when I was 12 years old. I was playing soccer pretty competitively, and uh, I surprisingly. I saw a professional bass fisherman on TV and I told my dad, I said, that's what I want to do. So we started with bass fishing, then I went to crappie fishing. And then my first real taste of big fish I can pull drag was the common carp, which I still do to this day. And ever since then, it's really just been about finding fish that will rip drag. I, that was the obsession with me. I wanted something that would pull a lot of drag and put up a really good fight. And that led to bowfin, which I dearly love but we only have a limited time to catch them really. Mm. And after that, it's just, I just wanted to catch and learn about everything. I don't, it wasn't like really like one thing. It's, I would see videos of different species and I wanted to catch that. And I'd see another one. I want to catch that. And I want to catch that. And it would just 
constantly going, going, going led to this today. Yeah, that's funny. Well, you know what? I'm appreciate out of you. You didn't lie to me. You didn't say I've been fishing since I was two years old. No. People tell me that you can't. You physically can't do it. <laughs> I have kids. I've tried to hand my two year old a rod. Just like anatomically, physiologically impossible. Yeah. So I was like, okay, thanks for giving me a realistic. Like, I've been fishing since I was one. I was like, you were shitting <laughs> your diapers when you were one. You did not catch a fish. Exactly. Like, I did the same thing with my kids when they were still in the strollers. I'd like put a bass in their lap. They didn't catch that fish. Like, <laughs> but um, it's funny. Like your your story is so similar to like a lot of the other guys that I've talked to. That I even throw myself in the same kind of category. Um, you know, you start roughly around that, you know, early preteen, like right at that level where I it's like that's right around the time that like young men start to like, I don't know, you you you're leaving your mama's teat, you know what I mean? Like right. you want to get out exactly. there and and do your own thing. And um, and you know, a lot of us kind of that in that interior states start with bass and bluegill because yep. that's what you're supposed to do. That's like the grandfathered in thing. Like if you're going to go fishing, it's bass and bluegill and like maybe catfish. But, um, and so, but it's so funny that you mentioned that like you encountered, a, I knew you were going to say carp. Yeah. Like all of these other guys that I've talked to, it's like, I was bass fishing at this pond. And then I looked over and I saw this grass carp or common yep. carp. And for me, it was the same thing. I was like, I don't remember how old. I was probably around 10 years old, and we were fishing these golf course ponds for bass. And, and my first encounter with, like, a big freshwater fish was a big grass carp. And I was like, oh, that's what I want to catch. But Yeah. Grass carp are amazing. But that's Love cool. Them. So, you know, a lot of times you sort of encounter those voices, though, that it's like, well, like, these are the good fish. And like these are the like the others like these are the like the the ooh like ooh like you don't want anything to do with that like did you 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 didn't like run into any of that like the I don't know the oh yeah I, I ran into it but when I, when I started that was never really like I was never indoctrinated I guess you can say with that mentality yeah. so when I was when I started carp fishing um and I loved doing it I was surprised to hear people hating them. So much mm -hmm. and i didn't understand why because when i started doing it like i said i'm a very uh research-based fisherman that's how i i learned most of the species i target it was all british people so and they loved carp yep so i never understood uh when people called them trash fish why why are they i don't, still don't know to this day <laughs> yeah well it's good to be like an independent thinker and you know sometimes if that means you have to have a smaller circle in a small core group of guys that you go with, that's, that's better. But, um, you know, cause it's very easy. Like when, I don't know, that always makes me sad. I feel like it's better nowadays than it ever was before where like information is everywhere. Yeah. As opposed to, I don't know, like when we were kids, the only source of information you had might've been like your grandpa or right. like Joe from down the street. And if they said like these fish suck and these fish are great, you know, to your like to your point, it's it was easier to get indoctrinated back then. But you know, if you could just beat that voice to the punch and experience how powerful a carp can be, like before somebody can say that, it's like mm -mm, nope, nope. Like when somebody starts talking trash, like no, 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 no. I have oh, hooked I one argue. of these things. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, you have not caught one. Like right. Like once people catch them, it's like it. The perspectives change quick, but um. 
So I don't know, man. You like snowballed into it. And well, let's start start with the carp thing because like I really enjoy like your your common carp and I really enjoy the grass carp thing. Like you're I don't know, as you're learning, what did you start with? Like bread, corn? Did you kind of start with like the rudimentary type of things? Yeah, I started very basic. Um pretty much just using my bass rods with a hook and a and a sinker and some corn on it. I still use corn to this day. I think it's it's probably the best common carp bait on earth. Mm-hmm. I use that over a boilie 10 times out of 10. Um, but I mixed it up a little bit. Now I, I ended up switching over to more European style. I got the European rods, the vital arms. I used the hair rigs and there's uh, their weights and all that, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but I do it in a more, a more of an American way, I guess you could say, which would be using method mix, which kind of wraps around a ball. Around okay. Your yeah. Weight. Yeah. I know uh, in England, they don't really do that. So I've kind of incorporated like a little bit of American tactics with the European stuff. And that's what I gradually went to. And that's where I am now with with the carp fishing. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the funny thing is like, no matter how much your like carp, I don't know, recipes evolve. It seems like that, like corn is somehow buried somewhere in there. It's like everything builds around that, but I've used the method mix or the pack bait style thing to it. What are you doing? Like oatmeal or cornmeal or that kind of stuff? My favorite is panko and oats. Yeah, panko and oats mixed with cream corn. Yeah, that's what I do. I've done at the very least panko and cream corn. And that's that's enough to get it to pack around. So that's pretty cool. The most important thing, carp fishing, though, is uh, pre-baiting. Got to make sure you pre-bait. Yep. Yeah, which I learned from the from the Brits. That's a very important aspect in carp fishing. Yeah, yeah. As long as you're doing it within, I know there's some states where it's like not even allowed. But um, yeah, I I, like, not not here at least. But <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, because I got to see that scene a little bit more with my buddy Austin Anderson a while back. Um, and he's kind of, I mean, he that that dude's like he's in that world. But um, yeah, you know what was eye opening about that is like he he will like it's crazy. It's just a different kind of commitment. Like those guys that are really in it, this dude probably dumps. Like, I don't even know how much money worth of just like goes, spends all this money to get the ingredients, just to dump them in the water for a fish. You might not even catch. (laughs) Right. Like we went out there with him, um, in early 2022 and God, we sat there for like a, for like a solid 12 hours, maybe Twenty-four hour, no bites at all, nothing, no fish. Yep. And we're like, I was like, damn, this sucks. There ain't no damn fish here. <laughs> and then um, we ended up dropping a GoPro down and leaving it there for like a half hour. And then they he paddled out because he'll he'll paddle out in a kayak and like dump it in a very specific spot. And yeah, we pulled it up and put that footage on on uh Josh's laptop and like reviewed the footage. There were so many buffalo and carp all over the place so i was like wow like you know they're there they're just they're a smart savvy fish that's one of those ones that's like gets categorized as a stupid bottom feeding idiot trash fish man carp i mean when they're on it yeah they can be tricky i spent uh, pretty much an entire summer hunting one grass carp (laughs) yeah grass carp i think grass carp even more so than common carp yeah, they're very those, smart, very smart. Especially fish. in wild waters. Like if you get into grass carp that are in rivers and major lake systems, you talk about a challenging fish. Yeah, I, I always joke have... with my oh go ahead. 
Well, I was about to say, I, I mean, this is about you. I don't want to hijack the conversation, but like, I remember like in Lake Moultrie in high school and in college where I did a lot of my fishing coming up in South Carolina. We, there was a giant, giant uh, grass carp in those lakes, like 60 pounders, like unbelievably massive ones. And it was like you could drop a pin on the bottom of my aluminum boat and then look up and it was like, you know, it's all flats out there. And you would just see them erupting and exploding like 200 yards away. That's the and worst. Like, <laughs> that's why all the bass fishermen hated them because you roll into a quiet cove and like make one wrong move and they just blow out the whole area, scare right. the hell out of everything. But talk about a spooky fish that just gets scared. Like I always great... joke with my buddies, the, the carp on my home lake, Lake Geneva in Wisconsin, there's some huge ones there. And I always tell them that those things have like PhDs. Cause they're just so yeah. <laughs> freaking smart, man. I, I still haven't been able to pull a 50 out of there and they're there all the time. Mm -hmm. They're just so smart. It's incredible. Well, I don't know if you've seen the same thing as me. Like it, what's weird about them. I don't understand their like social structure, like in Lake Moultrie, because it was like, they were stocked every so often to control hydrilla and whatnot. And so you could tell which ones are part of a certain like brood because they always seem to be in like, like sized groups. Like yep. it would be like you come up in, in an area and it would be all like 10 pounders. No, yep. no big ones. And then occasionally you find the more sparse groups of where they were just like these absolutely like unbelievably giant, like 50 pounders. And they were always the spooky, hard to catch ones. But like they were never together. It was always like the big ones are with the big ones, the mid-sized ones are with the mid-sized ones, and the little ones were together. I'm like, why does yeah, that Yeah, I feel matter? like they hang out with, with the fish they they grew up within their hatchery. I feel like almost sometimes. And I also feel like they have a DNA, like DNA embedded in their heads to be scared of nets. Cause every time you go to net them, they always make yeah. a giant. Run. Yeah. Very that's strange. always been, that's always been my thing. And it's frustrating because as you've probably experienced, like they, for whatever reason, they have like a higher, like mortality. Like from my experiences, like you got to move quick. Like when you land them, oh, yeah. you better get your pictures in quick, get the hook out and get them gone. Because I've had like, Actually, the biggest one I ever caught died on me, and I felt so bad about it. It was 62 pounds. It was so wow. big. And, um, That's incredible. I just I couldn't, I couldn't bring him in fast. He, he'd made his way around all these grass mats, and I, didn't, I, I don't even know how I landed him. Like, at one point, I couldn't even feel the fish on there. He was so embedded in grass. And then mm -hmm. I like, looked out like 50 yards. I see this gold thing floating to the surface. <laughs> I'm like, there he is. <laughs> and I got him, took all these pictures, and... I don't know. I felt bad. He bit the dust, but I was like, damn. I think they get a swim bladder issue from what I've seen. Cause they always float up upside down and then they have a hard time yeah. swimming away. There's tricks with a knife to go up there and like kind of pop a little hole in their swim bladder, but it's pretty dangerous to do. So I'll just always try to sit there with them and revive them as best as I can. But yeah, sometimes, sometimes they do die, which is unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah, I've been finding them a little bit here in Florida. Like, you'll find them in the canals over on, especially in the Miami area. They're all over the place, but that's one I'd really like to find more big ones. I'd like to find them. I found one pond close to home at a church, like at a church pond, but the church folks, they ran me, they ran me off. I'm like, come on, buddy. I'm like, I'm, I'm catching fish. Promise I'm not breaking the law, but... And I'm a scaredy cat. Like when it comes to like, I don't like confrontation. I don't like Karens. They scare me. <laughs> like when people run me off, I don't, I just like, oh, yes, sir. I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> or like if there's signs that say no fishing, I'm like, oh God, no, it's illegal. I can't get in trouble. <laughs> but so they ran me off and I never returned. 
<laughs> felt like Go a criminal. <laughs> yeah, I really should. I want to. I want to catch. I've got like another like one of my blogs. I want to write another one about grass cart, but I need more recent photos. So maybe I'll sneak out there one day. Yeah, you should. I hope that they you don't recognize to. me. I mean, that wasn't me. I don't know. <laughs> Put a hat on. Some that was not me. Like, <laughs> but um. So anyway, I don't even know where to go from here. Like, how to segue in? Like, your 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 fish like the, the diversity is so like vast. I don't know how to like jump from carp to the next thing. But it's like I can't wait. Like, it's the bowfin thing. I I love the growing bowfin culture, and I love to see more people doing that. And it's like you'll see folks that are catching them, but then the ones that y'all catch, like more so than anybody else's that I look at, like they have the eye appeal. Like y'all's bowfin look so gnarly. They're they're big. They're like you catch your y'all are like double fisting these monster <laughs> thirty inches in both hands, and they got like that modeled like crazy leopard print crazy colors i'm like damn their fish look so good like i don't know like tell me how you're you kind of started i mean when did you stumble across bowfin what was your impression about them i mean how are you doing it give me the bowfin uh, rundown first time i stumbled across a bowfin was an accidental catch crappie fishing and i thought it was super cool i researched it found out what it was i was like wow prehistoric fish that's awesome released it didn't really think much of them until about Honestly, about 2015 is when I I literally woke up one morning and I said, I'm going to go catch both of them. So I, I knew that my lake, Lake Geneva, had them. So I went to the harbor. It was June. And I didn't know much about their spawning run or anything about that at that time. So I was lucky enough to stumble up when that was happening. And I was able to get my first one. Um, I think they're so eye appealing, like you're talking about where we are, because we have a lot of uh, glacial lakes up here deep clear lakes and i think it just pops those colors really yeah. good yeah yeah that's kind of been my observation too is like when you got when you get them in better water clarity you get a little bit more of that like if it's in that chocolate like mud color i don't know it's like their body sort of matches the terrain here in right. florida they're like you get all these black ones but there's they're also i love the look of the florida ones they look oh, yeah. sweet but they you pull them out of that tannin stained like that black water. They just they match the terrain. But y'all's fish, I'm like, man, I've never caught them. I've caught a few in Southwest Arkansas years ago when I was a kid that would get that mottled coloration. But yeah, you got to come up in the spring. Come up here. We'll, yeah, we'll get you on some really really pretty ones. The males especially are just beautiful with their right. neon green and their stripes and the spots. Yeah, y'all got that that well. And now they realize there's two different like distinct yeah. species and like so we don't get the green down here in florida you just you won't see it really Even at, at peak spawn the males will have a very faint green in like their peck fins and you know maybe a little bit around the lips and the tongue but then yeah. as far as the belly that that like chartreuse like blown out color on the belly it just doesn't happen and i remember thinking for years like in my experience in south carolina like and and in here in Florida, and then I lived for a while in Arkansas, and I'd catch them in Northwest Arkansas. That's sort of like the line where it blurs because if you go farther enough in Louisiana, you'll start to find the same type that are in Florida. But in Arkansas, and in this one little corner of Oklahoma, you'd get those like crazy green ones. And I remember when I came out to South Carolina, I'm like, there, there is these are different. I was like, I don't know yeah. what it is, but like this is not the same thing. And so. When they came no, out, there's with no that. way your bowfin down there are the same species as the ones up here. 
you guys seem like you get way bigger average size, way different warrior look to them. And ours are just kind of like, I don't know. They're, they're really pretty. They definitely don't get as big though. I can tell you that. Yeah. I feel like the ones up there get the length. Like you'll see like 33 yeah. inches and stuff coming out of Northern States, but it's like right. the ones in Florida, like you'll get them every now and then it's like, they look like Quasimodo, like these just <laughs> big fat shoulders, yeah. these little stumpers. I've caught a few of them that look like little footballs. I'm like, what are you eating? <laughs> so yeah, awesome I can believe in the, in the different, the different species, I guess you could say between the Northern and the Southern ones for sure. Yeah. I think beyond that though, I'm sure I imagine like the behavior is probably similar. Are you fishing around like a bunch of vegetation and I mean, how, yeah, how are you exactly. normally, are you using, uh, baits, lures, both? You have like I, a, you have a preferred I, method at this point. Bait all day. Cup bait yeah. specifically is my yeah. is my go to. Um, I have tried frog fishing for them, but I don't know about the ones down by you. But the ones up here suck at hitting top water. Awful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't so really have a big problem with it. It's like, but I try to tell people like, if I if I am using top water, it's only got to be like, it can't be more than like two feet of water. It seems like yeah. if you're in like a pad field that's like four feet deep, I don't know. They're like it just seems like they don't want to come up that far to get something. It has to be like, right. you know, if they're laying here and the frog is up like right above them, like you know, they're happy to move their own body length to get it. But yeah, but I, I just know. I love float fishing. Float fishing cup baits my favorite. Yeah, uh -huh. I'll I use a lot of mine on the like on the bottom, but it kind of depends. Like if you're in a big thicket of hydrilla. You gotta yeah. like you gotta like hover it right above that. But we get so many of these gar like in Florida. There's there's so many Florida gar that if you suspend anything like in the middle of the water column or higher, you can forget about it. Like the it's like there's this cadre like this armada of Florida gar everywhere down here. You just can't get a a bait pass, and so it's like I I pretty much have to put it on the bottom. And even then, you still get some of the gar, but. Unfortunately, we don't have that problem. I wish we had more gar here, man. I really do. But the Florida gar, I I still love them. I mean, they're they're cool. They're an important part of the natural ecosystem of Florida. It's like it's a staple yeah. character of the Everglades. Yeah. But the damn things only get two feet long, and yeah. everyone down here calls them alligator gar. I'm like, it's <laughs> not. It's not an alligator gar, but everything's you. an alligator gar. <laughs> they are. Everyone down here is like, "Oh, we got alligator gar right down the road." I'm like, "No, we do not." I had that problem in Alabama. I was trying to hunt some of the uh, Mobile Bay alligator gar, which actually mm. do exist. Yes, they but do. Yeah, I was getting pointed to to long nose gar quite quite consistently. Yeah, <laughs> I well, will find I, those though. I had those oh, Dutch I had those Dutch guys on on the second episode of this podcast and like they do a lot of actually it's really weird. They come all the way from the Netherlands to do research on our alligator gar and they, they do a lot of theirs in the alligator gar that are in Florida, which is it's very few and far between here in Florida. And it was the same thing. They were trying to like there's not a lot known about them. So they reach out to locals, like, where can we find alligator gar? Oh, there's some right over there. Like, you know, you can't get solid right. intel because nobody knows what they're talking about. No, <laughs> but that's kind of a, that's a funny one. But, um, so yeah, I love y'all's both and stuff. It seems like y'all are very much like you designate certain like times of the year for it's like, like it's both in time. And then like y'all start bombing 
social yeah. media with your Bofin posts, and I'm like, damn, I'm getting jealous. Look at these guys. Oh, my gosh, it makes me want to, like, grab my gear and head head out for them. Um, so I think y'all showcase the species really, really well. We we are very – that's funny you say that. I guess we are very schedule-orientated. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, right now, Steelhead, and then Bofin are right after, and then you got Muskie and Carp, and, yeah, I guess we do we do schedule it. Well, the Fun. big one – the big one that y'all do, and it's like, it's to the point where like, I want to come up there and meet with you to do it. It's, it's where are y'all doing? Well, I don't want to say where don't spot burn, but like those King it's King salmon, right? Yeah. Where it's like graffiti in the background, <laughs> super urban. I'm like, that is awesome. Like some of those photos you posted, I don't know. It was a couple of months ago where they're all, they're all red and you got like graffiti in the background. I'm like, yeah, those, Damn. Are the, those are the cohos and mm-hmm. that's in Waukegan which is a little bit more of a sketchy area. So yeah. that would be why for the graffiti. But yeah, those are super fun. But you should definitely come up for the King Salmon, man. I think you absolutely love yeah. this game. It is so I, much fun. I know y'all do a lot of it out of like, it looks like harbors or something. There's like boat yeah. docks and you're catching them there. And that looks cool. But there's something about that like guerrilla warfare element of some of those photos. Now, my big thing with that, with that species is like, I'll see those photos. A lot of people travel to go do that but then i'll see the photos where they're like in the water and there's like an another fisherman every 10 feet down the way i'm like i'm not doing that like i'm not, I'm not gonna go I, I ain't doing like so i was like hopefully justin's not doing it that way and just like crawling off into the bushes to get a photo where you can't see all the people because i just i can't do that shoulder to shoulder crap yeah most I, of the time especially in illinois um a lot of the guys out there on the pier are actually snagging them, which is legal with treble hooks, okay. which is absolutely insane to me. And I'll always be the only one there skein fishing. So it's pretty awesome. And they all have to skein snag fishing. What is that? Uh, that's uh salmon. Forgive, eggs. forgive my ignorance, but I'm a <laughs> Southern boy. Skein fishing is, um, skein is salmon eggs that haven't come off the membrane yet. So when you catch a female salmon early in the run, uh, you keep it and you cut it open and there'll be the eggs there with the membrane on it, which is like a, a thin layer of skin almost, I guess you could say. And that starts to deteriorate as the spawn moves on so they can drop the egg. But you want it when it's still tight. And you take that, you cure it with, um, I use Atlas mics for anyone watching. If you salmon fish, it's a good brand. Oh. Um, and it basically dyes it red, gives it a little bit more uh, scent and flavor, and it makes it last longer. And then you they're, put that underneath the float. They're eggs from the same species of fish that you're catching? Yeah. <laughs> That's weird. I think they, they do How that. How does that make sense? I Self-regulating their own to, population? Yeah, I, I believe they do that to um, actually try and take out other bloodlines. Like, okay. seriously. <laughs> God, that's wild. That's what yeah, I really, that, really want to do. They're very yeah. interesting fish and very strong. I, w- I would put their fight to relate to you more towards a Jack Craval. Oh, nice. Okay. So they're strong. Yeah. So they're just like bombing through the water, but yep, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's a cool one. That's, that's one I'm man. One of these years, I I say within like the next two years, I may reach out to you. Cause I, it, and it was your photos that like inspired it. I'm like, cause I could go in to different places to do it, but I'm, I want to do it that way. Like maybe I do a little bit of everything. Like the the harbor stuff's pretty cool, but 
some of that. I don't know if a crackhead jumps out at me. <laughs> I don't know. I'm okay. I fished enough around the urban areas of Miami to like where I'm. I'm. I'm pretty yeah. good with uh, how to work around say, a crackhead. <laughs> from my last trip, I think you're uh, more in danger of that in West Palm Beach than uh, than Waukegan, Illinois. <laughs> Jeez, one of my grass carp spots in Miami, and Josh would attest to this. It's like there is like I don't know. I can't. It, it's sad. It's like you don't want to like criticize yeah. the folks, but it's right. like they're living under there with iguanas and yeah. You know, I remember I was like fishing like by this bridge one time, I'm fishing, and I heard something move, and I looked back. There's like a, just a dude laying there. I was like, oh, <laughs> sorry, sir. You know. <laughs> well, there were legit guys. Uh, we think shooting heroin when we were shark fishing. I wouldn't be surprised insane. at all. It would, it would not be surprised. Insane. I felt horrible for him, but you know, it was a little like, "Whoa, shit!" I have been approached by some very suspect characters in like the urban areas of South Florida to the point of it's just not even worth going to some of them. Right. So it's like if you're not armed or you're not like I don't know, I'll go down there if I'm packing, but. Mm-mm. Yeah, unfortunately for those trips, I can't bring mine because the airport's just such a cluster yeah. scene. Yeah. But I don't know. And maybe I'm thinking into it too much, but there's definitely been some 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 interest, some weird ones. But um, you know, I know one of the well, obviously one of the ones that you've helped me with was like the paddlefish. Like the the paddlefish one's pretty interesting to me. You know, it's one that I kind of go back and forth on because you know you look at it and it's like, well, you know. Are you snagging it? But then it's like, but there's ways to do it that are s- still within reason. Kind of explain to me, like, because you've done it in a lot of different places too, but like, how did, how'd you get onto that scene? And like, what is your um, approach? The paddlefish was like your name entails just a boundless pursuit of catching a new species, really. And yeah. uh, they really sweet. I love their paddles. They kind of reminded me of like a sailfish or swordfish or something, like our own freshwater version. So um, I went to go do that down in Oklahoma, and we did that more conventionally with, with the treble hooks and stuff. And I don't know, just I know it's like the only way to catch them, really, but it didn't feel right. So I wanted to figure out something else. So we started using the swim baits, and we found that we were getting them more in the mouth, which I enjoyed a lot more. I know they're they're not eating it still, but it felt better to me. Yeah. Um I have actually brainstormed a little bit on the paddlefish. I'm probably going to try. Um, they feed similar to, to Asian carp because mm-hmm. uh, they're filter feeders. Right. And you can catch Asian carp with them actually biting on these rigs that you, you use kind of like a method. Yeah, next. I was about to say, it's like yeah. that little ball that's got like a, a yeah. 10 hooks hanging off of it. Yep, yep yeah. exactly. <laughs> and they come by and eat. I've done this for them too. It works really well. They come by and eat the um, the particles. And they suck in one of the hooks, and then you're on, and you're kind of like float fishing them. See, so I, I had like if that will work for paddlefish. It's worth trying. There's got to be a way to crack that code. Like what I had yeah. thought was like, and even if it's incidental, even if it's like, like snagging, but like snagging with a stationary bait that they just swim into. Right. I mean, I know that that rostrum is so like in tuned with what's in the water column. But I was like, I don't understand why you couldn't drift like a sabiki rig. Like, you know, you got like six. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, if you hook an 80 pounder, I don't know how you're going to get it on one of the little sabiki hooks. But it was like maybe if maybe if five of the hooks are in its mouth, 
You can you make know, a beef up version maybe too. Yeah. And all the hooks are working together because I, I had like, you know, you can't look at a fish like that and like, I don't know. It's like the imagination gets going because it's like such an amazing animal. Like, and, the, and like the opportunity to just encounter something that's been swimming that long. Like, I love, yeah. I love the prehistoric fish. So then I look at that. I'm like, I just, I wonder because like, you know, there's different shad that feed the same way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I just, it seems like a sabiki just drifting down the water. That just happens to get in front of their face. I don't know that they would go around it. Like, I don't right. know that they would dodge it. I also don't know if they would intentionally go after it, but I'm like, you know, they, I guess they'd have to be really thick in the water for you to just happen for one to swim into that. You got to think too, though, like, what are they intentionally going after? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know they're picking up plankton, but I don't think they're like seeing a, like a piece of plankton and saying, I'm going for that. One. You know? Right. I think they just go in the area. Well, what's just... weird is, and I know you can't really compare like captive, like, like captive raised fish to like wild fish, but there's definitely enough parallels. But if you go on YouTube and type in like paddlefish feeding aquarium, like in some of these major aqua like state aquariums, they'll dump, uh, I don't even know what it is, like blood worms or something, like little small things. And like you see that paddlefish get triggered. Like now, granted, yeah. they've, like they understand like when feeding time begins, like, you know, they just sort of become, I don't know. They're like machines at some point. It's like, Oh, feeding time. Like, but <laughs> like, they're very intentional when you watch these videos of like what they're going after. So I'm like, there's gotta be something to that. Yeah. I was thinking that Asian carp thing, or, um, I was also relating them to the Siamese carp, which they're, they're all, they're also a type of filter feeder, but people catch them all the time. on uh, pop-up rigs. And it's the same type of ordeal where it's like you just got a bunch of particle coming up and you got the pop up there and they're eating all that. And they take the pop up. Well, it's so, the same thing with a big mouth buffalo. Like yeah, big, mouth, exactly. big mouth buffalo are the same way. I've caught one in my life and yeah. I caught it on a range cube on a pellet. Yeah. And every carp and buffalo guy I've talked to is like, that's not possible. I'm like, it can be done. I've done it. And I don't know if it's because that exactly. crap was floating off. I don't, I don't know what it was. But of course, the one that I caught was like, the biggest one I've ever even heard of. Yeah, that was like, an absolute monster, man. It was a one-time stroke of pure dumb. I was trying to catch bait. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I hooked. I thought I snagged an alligator gar. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> <laughs> that was an yeah. incredible fish. But yeah, there's yeah. a lot of things to pioneer still. You know, people yeah. think a lot of the fishing stuff's been, been most things have been discovered already, but that's not the case. There's a lot, a lot to discover. Yeah. Well, that's the interesting thing when you start kind of diving more into the multi-species thing and you kind of like lean more into like the rough fish or, you know, non-game species. It's like, I always get more interested by fish that don't have the information like resources. Oh, exactly. It's like you can get online and find a, like infinite ways to pursue bass, and, but you can't do the same thing to find how to catch like a blue sucker. Right. Okay, but, and that's, so that's, you know, that's kind of one of those like, high mantle coveted species among a lot of the rough fish guys the blues i've never caught one I've never even seen one but i know that I they're sort of i know that they're really held in a certain regard but it's like you have to be like the guy that has it's just pure like boots on the ground affair figuring it out on your own so i've always loved that that side of things but the paddle fish thing i thought was cool and you've done it in a couple different states right so like yeah so like at least Illinois, I, Oklahoma, Tennessee. Um, 
I did try once in Iowa, but it didn't work out very well. So yeah, I've been around. Yeah. See, that part's just cool. Like when you're, when you're connecting the dots in different areas, cause you know, if you, if you crack the code on one in one area, you can't like make the claim that you figured them out because right. everywhere is different. So exactly. It's pretty awesome. You've caught them how, up to how big, like 80 pounds, yeah. 60 80, pounds. I don't, I don't believe I've cracked the hundred pound mark yet, but yeah, up to six, 60, 80 pounds is typically where we're looking at for our big ones. Where did you go? Grand Lake? I know that's kind of like the epicenter, or that's like the big one in Oklahoma. Uh, Keystone Lake down there is where okay. we were. Yeah. Yeah. And then we've been to uh, Real Foot Lake as well in Tennessee for them, which is pretty yeah. cool. And then Carlisle in Illinois. I remember seeing people below uh, the Oolaga Dam in Oklahoma and some around, um, what was that first lake I mentioned? I used to live in Oklahoma. They all they call them spoonbill out there. Like that was like the yeah. big thing was going spoonbill snagging. I I saw people do it right in front of me, but that's when I was a little kid and didn't really know what I was doing. So never even had the time to try it. But I wouldn't necessarily be beyond trying the whole throwing small swim baits and maybe getting one or experimenting with other things. But it's also like I only have so much vacation time during the course of the year. Right. It's like yeah. I want to go out there and not catch something. So. <laughs> Yeah, the swim bait thing uh, works surprisingly well to get them like in the mouth area. Probably just because they're sitting there with their big, large mouths and current, and it just yeah goes right in. I figured it'd probably so. be easier in like a river too, like especially some of the smaller rivers. I figure below like some of the dams, they probably congregate in certain like. That's typically know. what we're doing at. Yeah. Yeah, I'm dams. Sorry. Dams are the best spots for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I wonder, it must just be like churning up whatever they're feeding on, like disturbing them, getting, I don't know. That's exactly that's an interesting it. one. It's such a yeah. cool, like, such a, I don't know. That's, I feel like even like, I always like dream of catching fish like across the world. But then, like, I at some to... point, you have to like wind back and realize like some of the awesome stuff we have right here in the US. Like, and paddlefish oh, yeah. is one of them. Like, we have so much diversity here. And I keep telling people, like, you could make the claim that, like, our big alligator gar are arguably even cooler than, like, any other freshwater fish on Earth. I would agree. I think that the, the alligator gar rivals in their time, huh? Yeah. yeah. The, the only difference maker is that, like, where the arapaima lives is just more, you know, it's more Probable. pristine. Yeah, yeah, it's like, you know, than alligator gar, like, some of them I live always in. say... <laughs> Before you leave the country on a fishing trip, you should catch an alligator gar, a paddlefish, and uh, either white a lake sturgeon. or white sturgeon. Yeah. yeah. That's what I think. So I'm hoping that at the end of March, well, this one's probably going to happen. I want to go knock off the white sturgeon, and then I may try to get out of the country late this year. But I don't want to, like, I'm like one of those superstitious guys. Like, if you put things out there, like, you've just cursed yourself. Yeah. I'd rather just not mention my plans because if they don't happen, I'm like, no, oh, it's because I said it. Me and my but, buddy uh, Casey are planning on going uh, for alligator gar in June. It'll be my first attempt, actually. Besides that mobile shit show. Well, if you need any, <laughs> if you need any insight on areas, just let me know. I, I, I mean, I can. Y'all seem like you do your research really, really well. That's a harder one to pull off without a boat or a, like a canoe. It really, yeah. it's very hard to pull. If you want to get a big one. It's it's pretty hard to pull off on foot. Yeah. Um, 
We're planning on going to the Houston area for it, probably fishing. Well, we, I think we're going to fish the Trinity on our way down, but then we're going to hit the Brazos mm-hmm. and um, the Buffalo Bayou. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that um, area is pretty cool. You just, you know, hopefully it won't be like around rainy season. I don't know. It gets crazy with the floods there, but. Yeah. I'll be watching that one with a lot of interest, but. Yeah, hopefully we, we can pull it off. <laughs> Well, y'all, I don't know, man. Y'all have just been batting hundreds on everything. But another interesting one that I look at on your page, I like because you're like standing. I always like when people are standing on solid ground. Like the bank fishermen always interests me because like you have to get real savvy like to be a, like, I don't know, a well-versed on foot, like foot soldier type of guy. Yeah. I feel like if you take a, when you take a really, really good bank fisherman and put them in a boat, they're unstoppable. Yeah. Um, but another one that y'all have that I guess speaks to like the diversity and some of the cooler fish that we have in the U.S. is some of the pike and the musk, especially the musky that you're catching. That's still one of those like high mantle fish for me. I've never caught a pike. I've had some shots at some musky in Missouri of all places. A lot of people like Missouri. There's there are lakes in Missouri that have musky, but um, I've tried for them five, excuse me, five times. Saw them every time. Never could seal it. I hooked up on one. I never got it done, but that's that's another one I really want to do. But what is y'all? So tell me a little bit about like y'all's musky scene. You're you're getting them from shore, which is interesting to me. Yeah, in the springtime they come up shallow. There's there's a window. Um, well, we have to wait in Wisconsin for the musky opener, and sometimes they screw that up because they'll be spawning. So you got to hit a certain window either before if they're not spawning by the time the season opens, and after. They get them in shallow water like that, and then we end up uh, venturing out in the boat. But when they come in like that, especially pre-spawn, they're pretty aggressive, but it's still tough. And I actually saw an article recently that they're so hard to catch because muskies don't go out and actually hunt prey like a pike. They sit and they wait for prey to come to that. Okay, so more of like an ambush so, opportunistic yeah. type of so thing. So that's why I like that springtime because we can kind of, you're not always seeing them, but you do get to see them swimming around so you can actually put a bait like right on them where later in the year you're going around the whole lake on a boat casting, casting, casting until you finally find that one. But yeah, the muskie surprisingly, if you ever go up and target them, the big baits aren't always the way to go. We've had giants on like bastard baits. So I think they'll always take a smaller prey. I've seen a few of that where they're like on like little walleye jigs and stuff or like smaller big ones too like on little small things that's that's interesting it's weird to me like the the difference between them at least from what i've read and seen from a pike like they look so similar but it seems like behaviorally they're like not that similar no yeah definitely a very very different attitude a pike is i'd say a lot more aggressive most of the time if a muskie comes and strikes at your lure and you miss it that's it that's all that's all the energy he's outputting for that for that hunt right there and then he'll go sit and he'll wait for the next opportunity yeah that's a cool one that's one i don't know it's like that's another one that's like i need to quit thinking and dreaming about going overseas before i catch some of those like there's certain ones that like you need to get first but uh I don't yeah know. The we'll you, you should definitely have that on the list for yeah. sure yeah that that's that's one i gotta knock off another one that i've seen that you do is those uh is the lake sturgeon that's a cool one. I I yeah. got into this period a while back where I was like really really interested in ice fishing 
for Lake Sturgeon. It's still still something that really interests me, but um, that's kind of a cool one. I know like your area is pretty, I don't know, maybe well known for them. But like, are you are you doing it through the ice and from shore? No, I normally do them from shore. I don't do them through the ice because um, most Wisconsin lakes don't allow you to, and oh, they allow you to spear to spear fish them, but you can't freaking catch yeah. and release them through the ice, which is absolutely ridiculous. But I've yet to venture up to Minnesota is the big place for it, for ice fishing like sturgeon. I've yet to do that. Mm. But yeah, a lot of times we are um, shore fishing for them. I actually want to do them more this year because I don't feel like I do them nearly enough as I should be doing them. Um, so yeah, we're going to definitely be traveling up for them more. I saw one in the news like very recently that somebody got through the ice like spearing it. It, it was massive. It was like an 81-inch fish or something crazy. Yeah, like they're that. all huge. That's Winnebago. Like, Lake Winnebago is, yeah. is where that is. They're massive in there, man. Huge. But you can't freaking catch and release them. I don't, I don't, that get does it. not make sense. It's so stupid. I, I don't, I mean, I understand, you know, I never want to be one of those guys that like ends a culture of fishing, but it's like, I see that. I'm like, oh, he speared him. Like, imagine what that'd have been like on. I don't oh, think yeah. I've seen one like that on Rod and Reel, like on anybody's videos or photos. Yeah. Like the spear guys get the real giant ones. Like you just don't see them. Like the dang thing looked like it was 180 pounds. <laughs> Here's what makes me mad though: is the DNR wants to protect them and 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 extend or grow their their population, but then they let people spear them. I just I don't get it, man. Don't it's like get seal. It. It's like seal clubbing. Right. Maybe exactly. Maybe there's some kind of like cultural like you don't want to take that away type of thing yeah. but <laughs> yeah. that's gotta blood, be it. blood cove or whatever it is with the dolphins it's, all it's probably a native a native um tradition that they've kept so yeah that's well i mean i guess it. if it's regulated then yeah. the thing is like it, the optics look bad like you know you can easily sit back and be like oh you're driving a spear in that thing's face that's horrible but like you know i try to i try to be reasonable about it so who who knows yeah but um, speaking of ice fishing, the other cool one I saw that you did recently was this big burbot. That's another, <laughs> that's another cool one. Like because it's like sort of got the bowfin vibe, sort of got the snakehead vibe, but it's like obviously way different. But that's yeah. a cool one. Like when I look at that, like, how does something like that fight? I, I hate to say it, it looks like something that wouldn't fight hard. And you were exactly correct about that. They don't fight hard at all until you get vertical with them. Then they kind of fight like a grouper. Honestly, not as okay. strong. So it wrong, looks like strong. something that would just sort of like worm yeah. and squirm. I don't know if they like yeah. make runs or not. Thing about those is you have to wait until um, like mid-November, early December when they come in for their spawn. Because other than that, they're out 300 feet of water in Lake Michigan. So yeah. you're not getting those anytime in the summer. What's so like you the public? Wait. What is like how how is it? You know how people get like you see a fish that's ugly and it must be the devil. Like how are like how are they perceived up there? Like do people like them? Do people think they're horrible? I look at a um, fish like that. I'm like, mm, that looks like something people wouldn't like. You get a lot of um, the people that want to eat them because they're very good eating. Oh, that's good. Um, well, that helps you, them out. Yeah, you don't really get the um, catch and release sport fishermen for them though too often. A lot of the times, it was just me and my buddies out there until the runs started getting real, um, real crazy, and then you get um. A lot of like Polish people out there and stuff. They like they like to eat those. Yeah, 
When I look at that, like, I don't know, it seems like a lot of at least American people, like, will gauge how good a fish tastes based off of how it looks. Yeah. Like, Gar, for instance, and I can't speak on behalf of it because I'm not a big fish eater, but, like, everything I've heard and read is that Gar are actually delicious. Yeah. But they're big, scary fish with sharp teeth, so they must be terrible. Exactly. And then, like, yeah. snake snakeheads are another one. They're apparently, like, a, an outstanding, like, table fare, but its name is Snakehead. Right. Be like, I ain't eating that. That's the yeah. devil. They did that with the Asian carp up here. Um, people don't want to eat them because they're called carp. So they changed it. Um, Kopi. Kopi. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so stupid. They couldn't th- come up with something better than Kopi. It's short for copious because there's yeah. such a copious amount of them. I read that. I was like, God, somebody's, somebody got paid. Like, that's somebody's job. Like, they got paid to come up with that. Like, I'd have named it the David Graham fish, but <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like, if I have an opportunity to name something new, and like I, I'm like, you know, I stick my name in there somehow. The Kopi, like, <laughs> that ain't gonna happen. It's a carp. Yeah, right. Back to the burbot though. It, another mm-hmm. thing that does help them is they are a type of cod. They're a freshwater cod. Yeah. Yep. So you hear cod, and you're like, oh, well, that that must be delicious. Right. So that helps yeah. them out a lot. Too. Well, they're really cool looking one. There's a lot of cod out there that I'd like to catch. What are those ones up in Alaska? Um, ling cod. cod. Those yep. look ling-cod. cool. They're like a giant mutant monster version of a yeah bourbon. Thing about but. fishing for cods though is, especially for a southern guy like you, it's going to be freaking cold. cold. Yeah, I know. <laughs> cold and a, miserable. A struggle with that, but I got to get over it. And that's, why even, that's why I even said, like, I would love to do the ice fishing for those sturgeon. I would, like, more yeah. want to catch them through the ice than anything else. It's like, yeah. I, I want to experience ice fishing at some point, just like, you know, you want to round out your experience as an angler, whether it's fly fishing in the mountains or flats fishing in the Keys or fishing in the Blackwater, like, Cypress Swamp, like, all the different, like, dynamic scenery. But I, it's like part of that has to be staring at a hole in the ice. I'm like, I, you think about a, you think about a style of fishing that could drive a man crazy. Oh, it makes you lose staring, your mind. Staring at a hole, like, and, and then, then you like get the ice quakes. You, you, yeah, you think that the ice quakes. Oh, that's wonderful. <laughs> Have you ever seen uh, uh, the clip? It's on my buddy Tommy's Instagram. We had a massive one where we actually moved depths. The entire ice sheet moved. Oh, ugh. <laughs> that's spooky. If I started hearing yeah. cracks, if I started hearing noises, that'd bother me. Oh, it's going to crack. It always does, though. It's it's usually just new ice forming. I'm naive enough about it, though. Like, I look at the guys that, like, drive their, like, tundras out onto the ice. I'm like, hell no. What are you doing? You know what's crazy about that is all you need is eight inches. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, like, when the guy, it's when I, it's like when the ice has a layer of snow over it, I feel like that's safe. But when I see the guys out there and it's like a sheen, like it looks like you should be really? ice skating on it with skates, I'm like, I ain't doing that. Yeah, you got to put like like chain and shit on your tires for that too or you'll just slide around. Yeah, I'd be wearing some kind of like safety suit. But, <laughs> but man, I don't know. So like, I don't know. So you've caught all these different kinds of fish in like freshwater, saltwater, do you have like a species though for you that's like the one? Like it's like your heart is with this one fish. Like it, it, do you have one that you feel like sort of like 
I don't know. I don't want to say like defines you, but I feel like everybody's kind of got that one that's near and dear to their heart. Like, do you have a favorite? Oh man. Or does that seem like to sort of bounce for, around? Is it for freshwater, saltwater, or both? Let's start with freshwater. Um, freshwater is probably going to be a tight one between a muskie and a, and a salmon. Mm. It's got to be. Um, saltwater is a Goliath. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even have to have to uh, think about that one. What's the deciding factors or like what's the elements putting the, the muskie against the salmon for you? Salmon is they just fight super hard, super action packed. And I love float fishing. Mm-hmm. Um, muskie is just the hunt. I love the hunt. That's like yeah. the one fish I feel like I actually am like going out and hunting. Yeah, yeah, so that's I love cool. that aspect. And when you get one, it's very rewarding. I was about to say, I think I, I imagine the reward at the end of the process is is more fulfilling. Yeah, I mean, you got all these things, paddlefish, sturgeon, and all the other stuff, but nothing's more rewarding than pulling up a mid forty to fifty inch muskie. Yeah, well, I can't speak from experience, but I I believe it based on what I see. That's one I got to do. But um, so I know you just did some travel weeks ago. I mean, you still like have some sunglass tan going on. Like you're, it's still yeah. on you. Like the oh, sun yeah. is still on you. <laughs> but uh, do you have any kind of, I don't know, tentative or near future plan? You got any other kind of travel plan? Well, you mentioned the Texas thing, but you got any other kind of travel plans coming up? I'd say in the near future. Um, I do potentially have some international stuff. Um, I know my family wants to go to France and I'm like, I'm on board and I'm bringing fishing gear. Um, cause I want to try to get a Wells. The Wells catfish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've got some connections out there. That's a good thing about like social media and stuff. It's like, I remember the days when it was called social networking sites and then like right. somewhere along the way it changed to social media. But I feel like if you use it as a networking tool, it's a little harder to do, you know, it's, especially with anglers because everybody's like you know you're suspicious like what are your intentions like why are you asking me about this people yeah. try to steal your spots and stuff but um you know over the course of time the good thing for you though is like if you were to reach out to somebody and then like the first thing they're going to do is some investigative research but who the hell is this guy and then it's like you you have showcased you know a clear ability like to do this stuff and a clear passion for the fishing. But yeah, I've got a couple of connections out there in France. That's one that I'd like to do as well. But yeah, that's, that's one thing I got to do is, is make some connections out there. And then uh, me and my buddy, Tommy, were talking about potentially doing a Thailand trip over to those uh, fishing resorts yeah. uh, to get Mount Mekong. That's really the only place you can get one. And yeah. Siamese, unfortunately they, they've wiped out that population yep. over there. They're pretty much, um, I mean, they're pretty much not in the wild rivers. It's just sad. Yeah. I'd like to visit, I'm Greek, so I'd like to go to Greece. And okay. I know there's an opportunity for bluefin tuna there from shore. Oh, which yeah. Which is kind of wild. Um, and then within this year, we're planning on going back to Florida too in August, hopefully. Uh, okay, to do cool. more, more groupers and sharks and stuff like that. And uh, that, yeah, that's that's really it for as far as I can see right now. Now, I can't remember. I know y'all, like, banged out, like, the peacock bass and some of the exotics. Did y'all, y'all did the snakeheads, too, right? The bullseyes? We've tried to do snakeheads, but we haven't really found any great spots for it. And yeah. we only usually put one day for freshwater because we want to just concentrate on, on ponding right. out those saltwater fish. Um, 
this time around, the Peacock sucked. I'm not going to lie. We just didn't really have that great of a time for it. There was a big cold spell. Yeah. A few months ago. I know on my side of the state, like because we have them in Naples on the western yeah. side. They're not as well known. They don't get as big. But uh, we did have a cold front a couple months ago, like an uncharacteristically. And the, the peacock bass, like they just can't do it. Especially right. the ones in canals. Like if you go to the, the canals, it, they just, and they have no, like, they, they can't get to depth. I mean, it just, it smokes them. It takes them out. I so. think that that's probably what was what was going on. We did uh, get a lot of the Florida guard though. They they had no issues. They were popping up everywhere, hundreds. Yeah, <laughs> some of them you can walk across those little suckers. Sometimes you know it's funny though. Like there's been times where I wanted to go catch them. You know everything's easy to catch when you're catching them on accident. Right. When you exactly. try to catch Florida guard, you can be in a school of literally three hundred of them. And only find a couple of them that really want to touch a bait. It's really weird. It so, is man. interesting. Yeah, that is true. Yeah, that is very true. It's strange, but then like you know, you see the bowfin down in the bottom, and you want to sink a bait to them, and it's got to get past this impenetrable yeah. fortress of gar, and then suddenly they want to eat. That is one thing I got to do is uh, try to get a Florida a Florida bowfin. Haven't yeah. done that yet. Well, I would say if you want to get a nice one. Anything south of Lake Okeechobee, they get smaller and smaller and smaller. I don't know why. You'll they'll be they're plentiful down in the glades, but the real like the real like money area. I don't know what it is. I forgot what the term is. It's like fish can like get like burnt out essentially. There's like a very scientific term for fish being in hot water for too long that somehow stunts their growth. Anyway, right. I'm not a scientist, but I feel like it's like. <laughs> The Caloosahatchee River is where I get a lot of my big ones on north up to like the Tampa, like central Florida and like the Kissimmee chain of lakes and those rivers. That's the sweet spot where you got a real chance to get like the big monsters. But like when you, when you play around like the Tamiami Trail and the canals down the glades, you'll find them. But it's just like or like Alligator Alley. A lot of people like to catch them on Alligator Alley on I-75, but you'll get them. You just you'd be hard pressed to find one much more than maybe 10 pounds if you get lucky for whatever reason yeah. it's not as big but i also uh, gotta come down to, to your area in florida i've actually never been to the west coast never uh besides i guess in alabama never fished like that part of the gulf of mexico it's so, different i feel it's it's yeah. much more peaceful i mean the east coast they call it the beast coast for a reason i mean that's where the that's where everything's going to be bigger but right. land-based goliaths west coast yep. is where it's at Yep, that's what I heard. If you want feet on sand, West Coast is where it's at. I can I can show you some areas for that. I ain't gonna be spot burning, but most people know. But right. um, the West Coast is really the spot to do yeah. it. If you want feet, if you want that shot on the beach, really the West Coast is better for it. But yeah, I'm used to off a pier getting down in concrete rocks and shit. <laughs> so, yeah, that's, that can cool. be tough. But, yeah, but um. Yeah, dude. But it's cool to learn about what you're doing and what what you're already doing is so interesting. Uh, you're like the, like I remember when I was kind of you know brainstorming the whole concept of doing this podcast. I'm like, I want to bring people forth that are relatable. That like you know, you're you're right. you're just going after it and catching a lot of different kinds of fish, like the varieties there. So um, love what you're doing. I'm really interested in seeing the future plans. Have you thought about doing the northern snakeheads? Like that's a pretty cool scene. I have not. That's East Coast, right? Like more Northeast Coast. Yeah, yeah. Like the and stuff like that. 
yeah, yeah, I haven't like thought the, about it. Yeah, that's a cool one. That's one that y'all might enjoy doing because that's a very yeah. from a multi-species like like experiencing something different angle. That's and it's an easy one. Yeah, like it's that's a growing scene. That's a really cool one. Um, and those are giant snakehead. They're correct. They're not bullseyes up there. No, they're not giant snakeheads. They're northern snakeheads. Oh, northern snakeheads. Uh, the giant snakehead, like the Toman or whatever they call it, those yeah. like black and white ones that live yeah. over there in Malaysia, those do not live in America. Okay. I don't know if they've ever lived in America. They're so much different. Like, that's a, one I'd love to go catch, but they're weird. Yeah. People catch them in like 30 feet of water. Like, yeah. they're, they're not like the swampy-dwelling type of fish. I've heard they can be pretty tough, too, from what I've seen. Yeah, I've heard that they're brutes. I've had yeah. one guy on here already on this podcast that's gone after them, um, and he described them. I mean, it just sounds like no, it sounds it sounds totally different than what you're used to with a bullseye or a northern snakehead. But that's one. I mean, you, I know you're a freshwater guy that likes that kind of variety. The experience of chasing the northerns, I feel like, is more. It's it's more. I don't. know. I think it's cooler than our bullseyes. But I will say the bullseyes probably fight harder. I don't know. It's different. It's just weird. But, um, yeah, dude. Well, looks like you got some research to do there. <laughs> I can hook you up. I, I can hook you up. I got a lot of good resources for that one. Um, I'm talking, I'm actually, I'm, I'm talking to a guy tomorrow, the next day, sometime this week. He does a lot of it in Virginia, but, um, they're cool. They're just a really awesome looking fish. If you want one that's got the eye appeal, like Northern snakeheads are really cool looking fish. And it's yeah, very much like musky fishing, more fast paced. It's very much like yep. the hunt. And right. like, you know, our bullseyes, it's like, you know, I don't know, you're kind of in you're fishing behind a dumpster behind McDonald's. <laughs> Whereas here it's like pristine, like you feel like you're in the wild and like you're very much chasing something. Um, it's more like hunting. It's it's cool. I think you'd really enjoy that. But um Yeah, check that out. Anyway, yeah, add that one to the list. I want to see you do it, but Definitely. Dude, I love what you're doing. I love what you and your whole group are doing. Um, so I guess just to remind people one more time, your Instagram handle and any other guys that you want to throw out. I know you kind of run in a cool uh, little group. I know uh, Casey, I, I follow him. Yeah. Um, all all awesome guys. I, I love the small, I don't know. I, I like the, the, the small team that y'all got going on because y'all are, y'all are nailing it. But just, just let them know like your Instagram or the YouTube channel that that program y'all are working on is one more time. So mine's underscore fishing addiction, underscore, underscore. Um, I also have a YouTube channel, which I'll be starting to post on soon. Uh, that's just fishing addiction. And then my buddy Tommy is McGrath fishing, M-C-G-R-A-T-H fishing. And he has a YouTube channel and do the same thing. And then Casey is CZ fishing and he's kind of like my, my OG right there. That's who I started with. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> we met Tommy through Instagram and now we have a little trio. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've been following y'all stuff. Y'all are killing it. I, I can't wait to see what's next. I'm sure it's going to be something big and crazy, but <laughs> Justin, man, I appreciate you having, I appreciate having you on here. Awesome conversation. Again, I encourage anybody to go out and take a look at your stuff because you won't be disappointed. There's plenty of scrolling to be done. You'll see all kind of the whole gamut of different freshwater and saltwater fish. Awesome, awesome social pages. I appreciate it, and thank you for letting me on, man. It was awesome talking to you, finally. Yeah, dude. Well, it won't be the last time. We'll be in touch. Yeah, let's meet up sometime. I think we do amazing. For sure. The ne next time you're in Florida, I mean, hell, let's just... A 
two and a half hour drive for me. I'll meet up for a little bit on like I'll get in on some of that action. We'll, we we got to do something like that. We can't be in the same state a small right. drive away and uh and not meet up. So we'll Sounds do something good, for sure. All, All right, dude. Have a good All one. Thank you for listening to the Boundless Pursuit Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, your feedback, comments, and reviews are very important to me. Also, this podcast is just one element to a much bigger content outlet. I urge you to head over to www.haverodswilltravel.com where you'll find audio, visual, and written editorial content. That is three dimensions of awesome fishing content brought to you by a very dynamic team of anglers. I hope that you'll tune in next week as we continue to build this program and have interesting and skilled anglers each Thursday. Thank you for listening.